This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, why do we focus on the exception and not the rule? Examining the prevalence of mono versus polysubstance use in the general population is an addiction. Using the National Survey on Drug Use and Health from 2015 to 2019, this study assesses the prevalence of polysubstance use versus mono-use patterns. The authors found that among those who reported use of at least one substance in the last year, 64% reported mono-use, primarily alcohol use. However, among those with two or more diagnostic criteria for substance use disorder, mono-use was less frequent, at 26%, and even less frequent among those who sought care for substance use disorder. Given these findings, the authors argue that research should include those with polysubstance use whenever possible, and consideration of polysubstance use should be part of critical evaluations and treatment. Next is a study in Harm Reduction Journal titled The Motives and Methods of Methamphetamine and Heroin Co-Use in West Virginia. The study examined 30 people who inject opioids and use methamphetamine, three patterns of use emerged. Simultaneous injection was mostly used to enhance the effects of the two drugs. Others used the two drugs at different times of day, according to which effect was desired. Some used methamphetamine to also manage opioid withdrawal. Other studies suggest that co-use increases the risk of overdose. A new study in JAMA is titled Cytosinocline for Smoking Cessation, a Randomized Clinical Trial. This study examined cytosinocline's efficacy and tolerability for smoking cessation, randomizing 180 individuals to three groups. The first was six weeks of cytosinocline, second, 12 weeks of cytosinocline, and the third, placebo. Continuous abstinence for six months was achieved by 9% of those treated for six weeks and by 20% for those treated for 12 weeks. Among adverse effects, only abnormal dreams and insomnia were significant. Two other studies comparing cytosinocline with varenicline found significantly fewer adverse effects when using cytosinocline. Next, we have a study in preventative medicine titled Lessons Learned from Statewide Contingency Management Rollouts Addressing Stimulant Use in the Northwestern United States. This paper describes the training and technical assistance efforts and lessons learned for two statewide stimulant-focused contingency management implementation projects in the northwestern United States. Site-specific implementation barriers, such as logistical fit, precluded implementation in more than 50% of the trained sites. However, strategies tailoring details of the intervention to fit the site aided in implementation, resulting in successful implementation in a diverse cross-section of service sites across the states. A new article in PLOS Global Public Health is titled Leveraging Existing Provider Networks in Europe to Eliminate Barriers to Accessing Opioid Agonist Maintenance Therapies for Ukrainian Refugees. Ukraine has one of the highest prevalence rates of opioid use disorder in Europe, and with the Russian invasion, many refugees with opioid use disorder who were in treatment were displaced and are at risk for continued care. In this qualitative study, the authors examined barriers to treatment for these refugees and potential lessons learned. The barriers included capacity in the existing programs, language barriers, as well as financial and geographic constraints. 
In interviews with providers, the authors found that there were some formal and informal networks of providers in various countries, but they were not well utilized. The authors suggest such networks should be better used in this crisis and increasingly developed to address potential future similar crises. The next article in PLOS One is titled Development of a Neural Network Model to Predict the Presence of Fentanyl in Community Drug Samples. Increasingly, Fourier Transformed Infrared Spectroscopy, or FTIR, is being used as a harm reduction tool to provide people who use drugs real-time information about the contents of their substances. However, FTIR has been shown to have a high detection limit for fentanyl an interpretation of results by a technician can be subjective. This poses concern given that some synthetic opioids can produce serious toxicity at sub-detectable levels. The objective of this study was to develop a neural network model to identify fentanyl and related analogs more accurately in drug samples compared to traditional analyses by technicians. The study found that neural network models can accurately depict the presence of fentanyl and related analogs using FTIR data including samples with low fentanyl concentrations. Integrating this tool with drug checking services utilizing FTIR spectroscopy has the potential to improve decision-making to reduce the risk of overdose and other negative health outcomes. Our next article, titled Involvement of the Opioid Peptide Family in Cancer Progression, is in Biomedicines. This review updates findings related to opioid peptides and their role in cancer development the authors determined that a systematic study on the role of these opioid peptides and their receptors in many types of cancer is urgently needed. This would include their role in tumor progression, the tumor microenvironment, and as tumor agents. Knowledge of which opioid receptors and signaling pathways are involved in cancer progression can better establish strategies for future treatment. Our final article, titled E-Cigarettes and Stroke Risk, Present Uncertainties in Future Directions is in JAMA Neurology. There are multiple toxins in e-cigarettes that could impact risk for stroke. However, evidence about the role that e-cigarettes play in stroke is lacking. Studies are needed that consider smoking status, duration, frequency of use, and age. The authors conclude that additives and other toxins present also need consideration. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ACM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and ASAM.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.